Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Church from East Hill, Foursquare in Gresham, Oregon. Uh, the good part about this message, recording this now, is it's actually as sunny here as I know it is in San Diego today. Um, so grateful to have the opportunity to speak to this community of faith. Love your pastors, Benji and Jen. Love them. So grateful for who they are in the body of Christ and just grateful to have them in my life as well. Um, I can't wait uh, to get into this message today. Um, one of the things that, that is unique about being a guest speaker is you get the privilege of doing some one-offs. I don't, you know, I'm not going to be in the book of Matthew for 29 chapters, or 28 chapters, sorry. And uh, so, so we're just going to give a one-off today. But it is something the Lord put in my heart, um, just in reference to the journey we've all had. Uh, 2020 was a year to be remembered global pandemic, political polarization, social unrest, social justice issues, all this stuff colliding at the same time. And then we were cut off from one another um, through social distancing and protocols, no in-person gatherings, all of that we've all navigated. And I found myself last year uh, in a waiting posture, at least as a leader, because the leadership initiative had been taken from me. We were waiting to hear from the government week to week. Could we meet? Can we not meet? Is it 50 people? Is it 25? And so I just felt like we were waiting for things to open up. And I think we're still sort of waiting for things to open up. And, and this, this, this year of waiting, um, as it were, began to wear on me. And I went into the scriptures to, to mine out some truth that would help me. Because I was battling, I'm going to just be frank with you and vulnerable. I know we don't know each other, but I, I'm just as transparent, as vulnerable as I can be. I, I struggled in the waiting with discouragement and all these kind of things. And so I felt like the Lord led me to the scriptures to deal with it. And here's what I found. Here's, here's the good news and bad news. It is not uncommon for men and women of God to find themselves in seasons of waiting. Um, in fact, it is the cord that is woven through the pages of scripture. Any man, any woman of God found themselves um, be either getting some information from God, where through revelation it was foretold prophetically of some events or things that would happen, or that they were given very specific promises like you'll find in the book of, uh, in the book of Genesis right around chapter 12 through the 20s there, that you'll find Abraham and Sarah were given the promises that they were going to be a great nation and they were going to have all these children, and yet they found themselves waiting for years, as it were, to have even one child. And so we are not um, the only ones that have ever had to wait. Maybe you're, you know, you're, you're watching this and you're in a season of waiting yourself, waiting to get married, waiting to conceive, waiting for a promotion at work, waiting to buy a house, whatever it is, you find yourself in a season of waiting. And so I want to encourage you that you find yourself in great company. Um, I'm waiting, <laughs> but not just me. If you look through the Bible, character after character had some season of waiting. And then I did a little walk through the Bible. I just want to read a couple of verses to you right out of the Psalms and just back to back to back rapid fire waiting. Watch this. Psalms 27 and 14 says this, wait for the Lord. 
be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Two waits in one verse. <laughs> Psalms 33, Psalm 33 and 20 says this. We wait in hope for the Lord. Notice that posture. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 37 and 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Watch this. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out wicked schemes. There's nothing worse than waiting and seeing somebody that maybe is not living for God, not living right, and all of a sudden they're prospering and you're waiting for the same thing that they seem to have gotten even though you're serving God. That could be discouraging as well. Psalms 130 and 5, skip ahead a little bit and says this again. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits and in his word, I put my hope. In other words, what he said, I put my hope in. Why? Because we recognize God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should ever repent. If he spoke a thing, it will come to pass. But we have to wait. And then lastly, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ, Christ Jesus. So this idea that God is a finisher, if he started a thing, if he promised a thing, he will finish it. And so let, let, let me just confess right now, lest you think I'm some kind of spiritual giant. I don't know what Benji has told you. I'm just telling you right now, I will confess I am an imperfect waiter. I hate waiting. I hate waiting for the bill after dinner. I hate waiting for my coffee at Starbucks. I hate waiting for the car that obviously two seconds ago saw the light turn green and we're still sitting here. I hate waiting. <laughs> I would venture to guess a lot of you hate waiting as well, but maybe not as much as I do. Listen, I saw this statistic as well that said 90% of the people who have heart attacks are what they call A-type personality people. And these people... Habitual, are habitually impatient. Yes, I am a <laughs> type A personality. I don't like waiting. I don't know. Benji strikes me as the type that just kind of goes with the flow. I've seen some of his messages down at the beach, and he's walking down the seashore. Yeah, that would be me. I'd be running down the seashore trying to get to point A to point B because we got stuff to do, and we ain't got time to waste. Uh, so, but, but here's something I want you to remember, and here's a big idea. There, there's always a gap between the declaration that God makes, the promise that he makes, and, and its fulfillment. There's always a gap between when God said a thing and when that thing comes to pass. And when he says it, it's always exciting. It's like, it's kind of like ladies, how, how many of you ladies that are listening uh, remember when you had your first baby and you, you were able to tell somebody you were excited. You looked at the stick and it said plus and you were ready to have the baby. And, you know, my daughter just, uh, she's five months pregnant. We got our second grandbaby. I know I don't look like I got two grandchildren because black don't crack. Hello, somebody. I use that joke all the time. People laugh. Did you laugh? Um, and so, but, but it's exciting. We're, we're overjoyed. It's, it's fun. She was excited until morning sickness started, and now that's over, and she's into her sixth month, and now it's getting a little uncomfortable. And ladies, you'll remember, you get to the eighth month, and you're like, please get this thing out of me. Well, it's in the waiting, it's in the waiting, it's in the waiting, 
and there's a gap between declaration and the fulfillment of a thing, and we mostly spend our life between the two. It's what I call living in the reality gap. We live between the declaration, the promise that God made, and its fulfillment, which we can see, we sense, we're encouraged by it, but yet our reality doesn't match what God said, and it seems like God is taking forever. And I always say this to our church that God seems to always um, miss some really good opportunities to come early, to fulfill a promise early, but he's never late and he's always on time, right? So, so let's talk about this for a minute because we rightfully get excited by getting a promise and we know we've got to wait. And so there's conception of the thing and we're excited and, and passion and zeal comes out. God's going to do this. God's going to do it. And then we wait and time passes and more time passes than we imagined would pass. And so the first thing that happens is we encounter discouragement. We get discouraged that it hasn't happened. But that's not the worst of it because discouragement leads to us doubting that it will come to pass. And then after we sit in doubt for a while, because we're still waiting, right? And after we sit in doubt for a while, there's disillusionment. Like we lose sight of the vision of what God showed us. We're disillusioned. We don't see it anymore. And then ultimately we end up in disbelief. And the Bible sort of talks about this, um, as it were, sickness that comes into our soul. Proverbs 13 and 12 says it this way, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. There's a sickness that, that sort of pervades our souls as we wait. Is, can I ask a question? Or how many of you find yourself right now in what I call God's waiting room? We're there waiting. It is one of the most difficult and unpleasant parts of our Christian experience. It is the waiting. So here's what I want to do for the next couple of minutes. I'm hoping that I can reframe your thinking around waiting the way that God reframed my thinking about it last year, waiting to open up, waiting to move our vision forward, waiting to do all these things. And then I realized that there were some things that God was trying to teach me in the waiting. So here's the number one, and uh, it should be popping up on your screen right now. My guys are super good editors, so they're going to pop this up on the screen for you. And it says this, waiting is a time of preparation. Waiting is a time of preparation. Listen to James chapter 5 and verse 7, and listen to the metaphor that he uses to, com to communicate this truth. It says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. So talking about the end of, the, the end of time. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. Verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So this idea that Jesus will come back and return to the earth and receive us to himself is, is coming. But we're waiting. In fact, we've been waiting for millennia now and waiting for the Lord to come back. But, but in that, he uses a metaphor of a farmer to illustrate Sort of, if you unpack that to illustrate, if we mimic what a farmer does, then it will help us understand what we should do in the waiting seasons of our life. Which, first of all, a farmer doesn't go out and plant seed and then go binge Netflix for six months. Come on, y'all. That's not what God, that's not what a farmer does. And in fact, those of you that have any agricultural background or people in your, in your life that do that kind of work, you will know that they work seven days a week, 
cultivating and developing water and weeding and fertilizing and getting rid of, you know, they got scarecrows and got, got all types of pests and different things they got to drive off of this crop. Why? Because they recognize that some part, some, some season is coming where they will harvest what has been planted. But in the meantime, they've got to cultivate. They've got to develop. They're relentless, sun up to sun down, seven days a week. Because why? Harvest is coming. They're preparing themselves for, we could call it this way, for the manifestation of what they had hoped for. They hope by putting the seed in the ground, they're hoping for harvest. Well, the seed for you and I is the word of God. What has God spoken to you about your marriage, about your business, about your children, about your health, about conceiving children? What, what has God spoken to you? That's the seed. So that seed goes not into the soil of the earth. It goes into the soil of your heart. And then you must cultivate that seed. You must water it with the word of God. You should worship around that word. You should tend it, nurture it, take care of it cultivating that seed that's been put in your life. In fact, you should prepare yourself for manifestation or harvest in your life, cultivating your life. If you're single and you're trusting that God put, a, put it in your heart that you're going to be a wife or a husband, okay, in the meantime, cultivate your life. Don't sit around there, I want to get married. I don't have nobody to put on, take on a date. And It's Friday night. I got nobody to hang out with or chill and watch Netflix with. I got you. So what are you going to do in the meantime? You're going to engage your life. You're going to cultivate yourself. Hopefully you're going to get out of debt so you don't bring debt into your relationship. You're going to do what, the, what you need to do to recover emotionally so that when you get married, you're not bringing in baggage from every relationship that you've been in. You're actually using the time in your season of waiting to develop, preparing yourself for what God promised. Patience in waiting is not passivity. It is not inactivity. It is actually, it is the converse. It is the opposite. It is us in the season of waiting, reading, studying, going to therapy, working out, getting our bodies right. We're not going to wait until the ceremony to try to get the COVID-50 off of us. We're going to start trying to eat right, sleep right, get ourselves right ahead of time. Because why? We know we're getting married. We know we're going to have a spouse. We know we're going to own a house one day. Whatever that is, you want to begin to cultivate that. And sometimes, let me just say this, that I found in my life, sometimes it's not a matter of, of God, of us waiting on God or me waiting on God. Sometimes God is waiting on me because I was too immature, not consistent enough not responsible with money. Maybe some of you, God promised you a blessing financially. Not if you keep charging up your credit cards, not if you keep going into debt. If you're not mature enough and responsible enough to handle the little that you have now, then how can God give you the greater things that he desires to give you? So we want to be faithful over little. We want to cultivate faithfulness and consistency, develop those habits and disciplines that will enable us to hold the harvest, contain it, and not lose it when God manifests the blessing in our life, whatever that is. Amen? Well, it says this in John chapter 16 and 12, which I read this one time uh, maybe a couple of years ago, and it came back in this idea of waiting. And it says this, Jesus is talking to his disciples. So catch this picture. They're just having this conversation. And Jesus says to them in, in, verse, in chapter 16 of, God, of the Gospel of John in verse 12. And he says, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Think about that for a minute. Jesus is telling his disciples, look, I got a lot of stuff I want to share with you. And I got more that I want to tell you. But right now you don't have the capacity 
to hold on to it, to grasp it, to contain it, to steward it well. He wouldn't understand it. And so he didn't tell him. And I started thinking to myself, Lord, am I in a situation where you have things to tell me, but I'm too immature? Or that every time you tell me something, I put it on Instagram. Or every time you tell me something, I tweet it out. And so that you're learning that, that there can be no secrets between us or that we don't have an intimate relationship that is ours, that everything you tell me, I have to tell other people so you stop telling me things. Or that I'm too immature to handle what you want to tell me. And so I want us to be, make sure we're in the right posture, that, that we understand that waiting, come on, y'all, say it with me, waiting is a time of preparation. We want to prepare ourselves for what God has promised or what is coming in our lives. The season of waiting is about preparation. Okay, so number two is this next one, and it'll be on the screen as well. You ready? Recognize the benefits of waiting. Recognize the benefits of waiting. Listen to what Isaiah 40 and 31, classic portion of scripture, Isaiah 40 and 31. See if you can catch the benefits. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. One of the things that I recognize uh, uh, about this idea of stamina and not fainting and having endurance and being able to persevere. In the waiting, it, there's a strength built in perseverance. There's, there's endurance that's built spiritually in the waiting. Deferred gratification. In other words, we're, 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 we're having to wait. We're deferring gratification. We're not letting our desires overwhelm us. Our appetites rule us. We're saying no to ourselves for a season. It's coming, but not right now. And in that waiting, there's a character formation. There's, there's a benefit. And one of the benefits, according to Isaiah chapter 40, is, is this idea that strength is renewed. We get greater strength as we wait. There's greater resolve, that I like to say, a strong sense of character and resolve that comes to us in the waiting as well. We don't, we don't get to choose, watch this, we don't get to choose the circumstances of our life. But we do get to choose our responses and our attitudes in the midst of it all. So in other words, in the waiting, I learned to be resolved. I learned to resolve that no matter what the circumstances are saying to me, God is faithful. He will come through. His word will prove to be true. He did not lie to me. I will not doubt him. And there becomes a strong resolve that can only come when you wait. Because why? Because in the waiting, you're battling discouragement. You're battling the doubts. You're battling, come on somebody, you're battling disillusionment. You're battling all of that. And it's doing the same things that happen when you lift weight, when you're pressing against it. It's building, it's tearing, but it's also building. And so you're building a strength of character and a resolve about you that's unshakable. Isn't that, isn't that good? How about number three? Here's number three, and it'll be on the screen as well. Waiting always produces God's best. Waiting always produces God's best. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says it's about Jesus and his coming. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoptions of sons. So, so we, got our, we got our Savior which is the best that we could offer, ask for, we got him in the fullness of time. 
Decade after decade, hundreds of years have passed. It, literally prophecy after prophecy about his coming and waiting and waiting and waiting. Israel waited and waited for the Messiah. And the Bible says in the fullness of time he came. Did you notice that in your life, the best gifts from God, the best things in life, not just from the Lord, but the best things in life come to us when we have waited. There's a, there, there, and, and it produces something in us as well. As you've waited, it produces a greater sense of appreciation and thanksgiving for it. Um, not that we worship the thing that we got, but we just, we just enjoy it. Anything you get quickly, you don't have value for. But, but here's Jesus, and he's our Savior, our Messiah. Israel waited. You're waiting for a promise. And, and, and here's what can happen with the discouragement, the disillusionment, that downward spiral that we have as we wait. If you're not careful, you will lower your expectations of God to meet your current reality. It, it can go something like this. It's, it's a girl that, that's believing God for a husband. It's a certain kind of guy. He's got a certain kind of character. He looks a certain way, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that any of that's wrong. She's got an idea of what she wants from the Lord. And then because she's waited and been a bridesmaid so many times, and it doesn't seem like, you know, there's any prospects on the horizon. She discouraged, hasn't been on a date in a while, and now a couple years have turned into three or four years. She hasn't even been in, in a real meaningful relationship, maybe, in seven years now. Or maybe, maybe it's a woman that says, you know, I really want to conceive a child. All I ever wanted to be was a mom, and she got married and got the husband, got the house, and then no children. Everybody around is popping out babies left and right, it seems like. Everybody around her seems to have an easy time getting pregnant and having babies, and she can't. And all of a sudden, you start saying things like, well, maybe we should adopt. And, and adoption is fine. It's not, it's not a problem. But if God spoke to you, and you can verify that it was the word of the Lord, you got confirmation, godly counsel around it, then you got to wait for God's best. Abraham and Sarah waited and waited and waited until... Neither one of their bodies. You ought to read Abraham and, and Sarah's story in the book of Genesis, starting in Genesis chapter 12, and just follow them. He ultimately is called the father of our faith, which when you follow his journey, he doesn't display faith always. In fact, quite the opposite, but he learns, he grows, he evolves into this man. And ultimately, he has a son that God promised him. And um, I want you to not lower your expectations. I want you to reset your, your expectations this morning or this evening whenever you're watching this message. I want you to reset your expectations on God to do exactly what he said he would do, even though the promise is tarrying, even though it's, it's taken a long time, tarrying such an old King James word, even though it's taken longer than you thought it would, even though it's, it's killing you inside, even though you're lonely, you're, you're ready for a child, you're ready to build that business. I got you. But wait, because it's always, always, always that in the waiting, God's best comes forward. So wait for God's best. And then number four is a good one as well. How about this? Wait in a crowd. Wait in a crowd. That means be in community with other believers. Be in community with other people. Why? Because listen what the wisest man in the world wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Notice we said two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But if one, but if, but how can one keep himself warm alone? Through one, verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and the three strands of a cord are not quickly broken. You know what he's saying? There's a multiplication of strength that comes when there's more than just you. Those people that live in isolation outside of community, that resist getting into small groups, we have community groups here. I don't know what you call yours, life groups, uh, small groups, whatever you call them. The idea is, is that the church is a big place, no matter how big the church is, and it has to get smaller because why? Because we were meant to live in community with one another. And in community, while I'm waiting, I get encouragement. I get godly provocation. I get people to remind me when I start drifting a little bit that that's not what God has for me, that God's best is this for my life. And it kind of recalibrates, repositions me, keeps me accountable. I love the fact that we can live in community to get together. Listen, if you're going to wait, wait in a crowd. Wait with some people. I, I remember waiting outside of a restaurant recently, and it's just a crowd of us because none of us have been in a restaurant in months. And it was the most fun. It was all of these people. Of course, we were distanced, but we were just cutting up, having fun, just chatting. And, and we had to wait an hour, but the hour seemed like minutes because we were in a crowd and there was all of this activity. I wonder if, if your waiting could be a little more manageable. Watch this, dare I say, a little more joyous in the process. Like, like I know you want the product, but maybe in the process you could find some joy if you lived in community and there'd be some people that you could laugh with, joke with, yeah, and even cry with in the moments where you're really battling discouragement. But I think having other people around you would stop you from fainting, help you fate more, uh, when I say fainting, not lose heart, help you fight, fight better, fight for the promise of God. There is a conflict on the way. And I just think that, that being in community helps you sustain your walk in a way that nothing else does. Amen? So if you're going to wait, wait in the crowd. And then lastly, and I'm closing, lastly, rejoice ahead of time. Yeah, that means I want you to rejoice before the promise is actually seen. I want you to rejoice right now like you know the promise is coming to pass. Listen to what, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 about Abraham. And, and I just love this story of Abraham and Sarah. I wish I had more time. We can unpack it over a series of weeks. But you can get into your own devotion time and go back to Genesis 12 and read some of these, these excerpts and this narrative about their life. But, but he says this in, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening, listen to this, verse 19. Without weakening in his face, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, which means he was old and incapable of functioning. Does that make sense? Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's room was also dead. She was old as well. Yet, this is verse 20 is, is what got me. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Can I ask you a question? 
if you got a word of the Lord and God promised you you're going to get married, you're going to have a house, you're going to get promoted, whatever that thing is, whatever the thing you're waiting on us, and if God promised it to you, are you fully persuaded? I'm here to nudge you, to irritate you, to provoke you, to trust God, and to, and to really lean back into that promise where you may have leaned away through discouragement and disillusionment and doubt. I want you to lean back into that promise. I want you to pick that promise up. I want you to put it on your mirror in the morning while you're doing your hair and putting your makeup on. I want the promise right in front of you. Put it on the refrigerator. Put it on your home screen, wherever you want to put it. But keep it in front of you until you are so saturated and fully persuaded that what God said, no matter what it looks like, that he has the power and ability to bring it to pass, even if it must be resurrected because it is dead in you or resurrected in the sense that it seems like the season went by and it didn't happen. Well, God's in charge of all seasons. God's in charge of everything on the planet. He has all power. He has all power. He is all knowing. There's not any bit of information that has escaped him. Your time and season has not escaped him. He knows how to bring manifestation in your life. He knows how to bring a fulfillment of the promise. And you can begin to praise him right now today for the fulfillment of a promise that is coming. Notice, Abraham gave glory, had faith and gave glory to God for something that was coming in the future. That's that word hope. He didn't have it. He was hoping for it, which means it was future tense. But in the present moment, he gave God glory. He praised God. Why don't you start praising God and start saying, God, I thank you that the promise is coming to pass. It's been a long wait. And just acknowledge the fact it's been a long wait, but I trust you. I rejoice. In fact, I do more than trust you. I rejoice in you. I shout praises to you. I sing songs to you about your faithfulness. It is important that you maybe do what David did when he went out to face Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. That you use, you replay past victories and how God, past deliverances and how God did it for you in a previous season. Look back over your shoulder and be selective about what you pick through from your past and bring forward the lessons, the, the victories, the testimonies of what God did in the past so that it'll help you wait well right now in the present. Past victories, replay them. Past deliverance, past times that God came through for you. Bring those forward. That will encourage you to wait well for the Lord. Can I just say this again? <laughs> God is, um, he misses so many good opportunities to come early. <laughs> but he's never late. He's always on time. Um, I know we're still waiting. Um, we're still waiting on COVID, waiting for vaccines. Waiting to meet and gather together, waiting to get the green light and a lot of things. And I hope this message gave you something to think about in your waiting. Um, I'd like to spend four or five more weeks in this topic alone, um, but hopefully this provokes you and maybe you get in, do a word study of your own in the Bible and just research waiting and just scriptures of waiting and be encouraged by it because God will come through. So listen, I've had a great time with you. I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that um, the word of God enlivened you, restored your hope, and also gave you a resolve to say no. Let me shake myself this morning. Let me shake myself tonight. Whenever you're watching, I'm going to shake myself. 
I got a resolve about God. I know God will come through. I know he's faithful. I know he can't lie. So I'm gonna stand on his word until I see it come to pass. And not only that, his credit is good. I'm gonna praise God ahead of time for what I know he's about to do. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.